Thanks to Blinkist for supporting Apple Bits XL. Fit more listening and reading into your life with key takeaways from the best nonfiction books. Get a free seven-day trial at Blinkist.com slash AppleBits. That's Blinkist.com slash AppleBits with a Z. All right, let's get to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's the Apple Bits XL. Brian Song here, your host. You know how we do it always the most for everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. This is episode 62, and this is kind of our really deep dive show if you're new to the show for everything that really matters for this week. So we encourage you to be a part of it. We have a hotline if you want to leave your name, where you're from, and what you'd like to talk about or your opinions or thoughts. Trip 833 ABXL. That's 833-888-2295. Also, what's gaining a lot of steam is we have voice memos, so you can just record what your thoughts are on your phone and send it to us directly via email. That's applebitsshow at gmail.com. That's applebits with a Z. And we're starting to get a lot more international calls, and I love that because I think it gives us some perspective, and you'll see what I mean as we kind of get to that point. But make this show yours also because we're getting less phone calls and more voice memo is directly sent, which also sound a whole lot better. I'm looking to really transition off of that, but if you guys keep the hotline alive, we'll keep it open for you all. I know everyone kind of likes to go about different ways of doing it, but let's just jump directly in the show and really the big story this week. There wasn't any big earth-shattering news, but a lot of stuff, rumors, speculation. We also got to talk about a little about the Apple TV Plus service because um, Disney Plus just announced their lineup and it looks really good. But before we get to that, Let's talk about the new kind of future of Apple and their displays in MacBooks, in iPads, and also this upcoming Apple display that we're expecting to see. Now, a little while ago, there was a rumor that we should see sometime maybe in the second or third quarter of this year, Apple finally releasing a new standalone 6K Apple display, measuring somewhere around 31.6 inches. So this is a big boy. It would also be using a combination of mini LED and larger LED screen technology. The main advantage is with mini LED, everything you can think of, all the buzzwords when it comes to display, higher contrast ratio, high dynamic range, lower power consumption, wider color gamut, so more richer, vibrant colors. Everything across the board is great. Also, a thinner actual material. Now, the display that is expected to come out Specifically, really, it's going to be its own standalone display, typically used with Pro machines to plug directly in to give you the kind of that expanded view and more real estate to use. That display will be this this hybrid. But if we're talking about a report from Ming-Chi Kuo, he's saying that the 2020, late 2020 or early 2021 iPad and MacBook will be completely mini LED screens. Now, I talked to you about all those benefits. This report was kind of actually confused by many sort, many outlets that thought that, oh, that 16.5-inch MacBook Pro that everyone is talking about that should be coming this year, that may be expecting to come this year is delayed. Well, this report is just saying that down the road, 2020, 2021, the next-gen next, next iPad and MacBooks will be using this new display technology. You might have heard us talk about micro LED technology, which is kind of that next level 
Well, that's what Apple is looking for in their Apple Watch. But this is just kind of a report about them transitioning to, look, overall, better displays are better for us. And they're also going to cost more money. Or it'll cost around the same price. But you know what I'm saying. Now, other things Apple may not be working on, but where the competition is getting fierce is the AirPods 2. I'm curious how many of you, I haven't heard many calls from you all about the AirPods 2. We got one today that we'll touch on, but you know, I think there was a lot of hype and excitement and it just seems like the the win, like the momentum behind it is kind of dropped at least from a buzzworthy standpoint because everyone is expecting them to come out and then be a complimentary piece with the new Air Power Mat. Well, that's not happening. And then you more the more you look at the new AirPods, unless the battery life on yours kind of died, I don't use Hey Siri that much on it. It doesn't really matter to me. So, you know, maybe the new, new AirPods still, people are really trying to figure it out that, hey, like I said, this, this is really AirPods 1.5, and that's okay. If these are your very first AirPods, you're going to love them. But Amazon, they're not messing around. They're developing a set of their own Alexa-enabled wireless earbuds that will compete with Apple's AirPods. This is according to Bloomberg. The earbuds from Amazon will, what they say, look and act similar to Apple AirPods, but it'll be using, obviously, built-in Alexa voice support, which is smarter and better and more compatible with so many more smart home devices and just third-party hardware, period. We know, yes, Siri and Amazon's Alexa are rivals, but that's interesting. Alexa built into their own wireless earbuds. The competition space here is getting really fierce. Amazon is aiming to also offer better audio quality than the AirPods. Now, I will tell you, the AirPods actually sound pretty good. They don't sound as good as the PowerBeats Pro um, that will be coming out, but they also don't sound as good as the current PowerBeats 3. So they're trying to basically beat them in a few areas, sound quality, voice assistant, and you know what that third one's going to be, price. Now, if the battery life is around the same, you're you're talking about something very compelling. Okay, let's say uh, we don't have the H1 chip. It doesn't pair as fast. I never found the pairing of AirPods to be slow in the first place. So people, they're coming for Apple. They can, they're coming, and they should, because, man, what? The second generation Apple AirPods with the wireless charging case is $199. What what if Amazon goes what? Less than what the Samsung Galaxy Buds are $129, if I recall right? What what do they go what under that price? $119? That's super compelling. I know we're bouncing around a little bit, but this is important to you all. If any of you use Netflix on your iOS devices and tend to use AirPlay to toss that content onto your TV, this happened really kind of towards the, really at the end, kind of during the weekend of last week when, you know, we already put out a show, so we can't talk about it. But according to multiple reports and users, and you might have found this yourself, this is not according, this is just a fact now, iOS, the Netflix app for iOS no longer supports AirPlay because of what they said were technical limitations so you'd have an error that pops up on your screen i don't know really how many people use it i know there are some but maybe there aren't as many but i still don't like this just because look anytime you strip away something that makes life easier that has been there for years you kind of have to question it now netflix first said yeah they're technical difficulties but they did offer a deeper explanation 
This is what they said. They said that we want to make sure our members have a great Netflix experience on any device they use. With AirPlay support rolling out to third-party devices, there isn't a way for us to distinguish between devices. So we know this, right? There's third-party TVs, Samsung, Vizio, LG, Sony that will be getting AirPlay 2 compatibility. So before, it used to just be limited to Apple products, really the Apple TV. But now you have so many devices. They're saying, hey, we we can't really tell or certify these experiences because there's so many. So... They finish up their statement and say, therefore, we have decided to discontinue Netflix AirPlay support to ensure our standard of quality viewing is met. So members, you can access Netflix now on the built-in app across Apple TV and other devices. So they're saying, hey, use our app now. None of this AirPlay stuff. So there you go. Netflix kind of, and we've also seen how Netflix isn't, how about this? Has been trying to wean themselves off of just their dependency on Apple. Before you used to be able to subscribe to Netflix through their app, uh, and then guess what? Apple would take that cut, that thirty percent cut or so. Well, Netflix is like, no, we know we're big enough and bad enough. People can just sign th- us, sign up through us directly, and then use our app. And there, Apple gets nothing. Yeah, it might not be as convenient, but you know that if you really want Netflix, it doesn't bother you to go to the site. Now they're taking away AirPlay compatibility with their app, and I just think that it it slowly shows how they're trying to become less and less dependent on Apple. But also, remember, the Apple TV Plus service is going to be a direct competitor to Netflix. So Netflix is like, you know what? We shouldn't be doing you any favors anymore, right? This is when competition creeps up. We've seen stuff like this between even Google and Amazon between the Chromecast uh, and the app, we've seen a lot of things like this. Hey, I'm I'm still waiting for YouTube to give us 4K on their app on an iOS device. Or Apple TV, not even iOS device. Let me take that back. On Apple TV. Where's that at? All right, you know, we're sticking kind of with software and services. So this report coming to us from 9to5Max, Herm Rambo has discovered icons for the music and podcast apps alongside of Apple's promised TV app that is expected to be coming to the Mac this fall. So basically, macOS 10.15 is expected to feature a standalone music and podcast apps and redesigned books app, meaning the band is breaking up. iTunes is breaking up, and I think there's a lot of people that are celebrating that, right? Like, you should be absolutely happy about that. iTunes has become, for many people, this huge piece of bloatware. It does too many things. There's half the things you aren't even using anymore. And so I think this is nice. It's It'll be refocused. The icons uh, were discovered, and they have kind of the circular shape for podcasts, the Apple TV app. They also do claim that the existing Books app on the Mac will be redesigned to look more like the Apple News app. We've already seen right? Apple introduced like the Stocks app. There's a Voice Memos app, Home app on macOS Mojave. So they're they're working on breaking the band up. I welcome this completely. The other part of this is that these apps will be based on Apple's so-called Marzipan developer tools. Why this is important is it it's because it allows for a single app to be designed to run across Uh, the iPhone or the iPad and the Mac with similar code base. So this makes it a lot easier on developers to get out their apps 
on the multiple platforms for the Apple ecosystem. I approve of that. That's great for developers. That's great for us. Um, but we'll, we'll see what the response is like. Will people, will people be into this? Because look, I'm sorry. I know that iTunes has become less important because of the iCloud backup to for your phones and your iOS devices. But I'm still old school. Like I still take out the physical cable and back it up directly to a computer of mine. So I know that I have a hard copy of that backup somewhere. Do I trust the cloud sometimes? But I need that physical backup. It's just good for my soul. It's good juju for me. And I've heard too many scary stories about people who had their backup on iCloud. And then when it was time for them to restore a new device, it didn't work. That's when I'm sweating bullets and a lot of other things. So anyways, we'll see how this whole breakup does. And maybe a super stripped down iTunes is also what the doctor ordered as well. That might be nice. That That might be nice. We're sticking with the music world, and the Wall Street Journal reports that Apple Music has overtaken Spotify in U.S. paid subscribers. So Apple, it was reported earlier that it happened in 2019, but Apple today has more than 28 million U.S. subscribers that are paying for their content in February compared to Spotify's 26 million paid U.S. subscribers. Again, this is specific to the U.S., The other interesting number here that they're talking about is Apple Music has been adding subscribers more rapidly than Spotify at a growth rate of around 2.6 to 3%. Spotify's added growth rate is 1.5 to 2%. Well, you know why? It's because you can listen to Spotify for free with ads. If you're talking about Spotify's actual user base that is visiting and using the app on a monthly basis, there's a report of somewhere right now around 207 million unique monthly users that we're talking about if you're a paid subscriber or if you're listening for free, which I am. But that's a really that's a really significant number and a good encouraging number for Apple as they get into the services business. They know this. They know the power of the ecosystem. We talk about it a lot. 28 million new subscribers for Apple Music. And uh, I think that that's a nice... They can use that also to advertise and maybe push out, hey, Apple News Plus, hey, Apple Arcade, Apple TV Plus. Apple is focusing on services. I know a lot of people thought that last keynote was boring. Yes, it was boring, but I actually thought it was really interesting just to lay the groundwork of how we're going to see and perceive Apple as they move towards being, let's be honest, truly a content company. You may think you don't have the time to read a book or develop yourself. Social media, guess what? It takes up way too much time. It can get in the way. Well, the Blinkist app helps you solve this problem. Blinkist is the only app that takes the best key takeaways, the need to know information from thousands of nonfiction books and condense them down so you can read or listen to them in 15 minute segments. Now, Blinkist is for busy people like myself who want to get the main points of the books quickly without reading the entire book. 8 million people are using Blinkist right now, and it has a massive and growing library from so many nonfiction topics, including self-help, business, health, and history. Now, I've signed up, I've read and listened to these books, and I honestly highly recommend you check out two of them. One of them that I stuck out to me this week was The Power of Habits by Charles Duhigg. That's because it's about how habits play into a huge role of our lives for positive or negative, 
and how we can change them to make your life better, I will tell you that this stuff really kind of helps guide and change my mind around what to do and how to kind of just improve overall. And then there's this other book called Start With Why by Simon Sinek. And this one really dives into what makes certain people and businesses more innovative and successful. So for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience, AppleBits XL Nation. Go to Blinkist.com slash AppleBits to start your free seven-day trial. I checked out the site. I like Blinkist because I can really get the important stuff that I need, again, from a book in just 15 minutes. So if I'm stuck, let's say, in like LA traffic, it just kind of fast tracks myself to be more intelligent and more informed. So check it out again. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash AppleBits to start your seven free day trial. Blinkist.com slash AppleBits with a Z. Okay, Star Wars Celebration, one of the big events that happens every year for Star Wars fans is happening this weekend, but it's also important to kind of what's happening and how it affects Apple as well. So we know that Disney CEO Bob Iger, he sits on Apple's board. So a lot of people are wondering, okay, that could be kind of weird and iffy because Disney's Disney Plus service is competing directly with Apple's TV Plus service. Now. At Star Wars Celebration, people have access to, you know, interview them. And Disney CEO Bob Iger said that he will continue to stay on the board and monitor the situation. He says just at this point, he doesn't believe the situation is problematic. But, you know, he'll he'll take a look at it. And, hey, why not be privy or to see what Apple is doing? Apple and Disney have always had this great partnership, thanks to Steve Jobs laying the foundation for that. But this is where... I thought why Star Wars Celebration is important because, again, we're talking about Disney+. Plus. Now, they announced that their service will be ready and available November 12th for $6.99 per month and just under $70 a year for $69.99. Now, this is, all, this is genius, first of all, because they have to be cheaper than Netflix, at least right now, just because of the breadth of content. But Disney has every friggin' property you can imagine. Remember, they just had an acquisition that brought them National Geographic. It brought them The Simpsons. It, it was the Fox 20th Century acquisition merger. What else? What other properties are on there that are just amazing? Oh, yeah. X-Men, Fantastic Four. So they get all their Marvel characters back under their hood as well. So think about this. A service with Pixar, Star Wars, Marvel, and some of the others I I just announced or just told you about. Now, the key thing is, all right, it always comes down to content. What are they going to do? Well, they initially right out of the gate said, hey, the entire Star Wars movie library will be available on their service for streaming. Not only that, uh, and that might have been because of the deal struck with 20th Century Fox, because that had never happened before. So. They're going to be able to put that, put their entire Star Wars movie library. Yes, all the way from the Phantom Menace to what we have today. Okay, so content is always king. And if I'm going on too much of a tangent and you don't like this, just let me know. But here, we talk about content. Apple is like, oh, yeah, we have a few shows here, a few shows there. Our service is coming out sometime in the fall. We'll let you know. We also won't tell you how much it costs. Disney comes out with an official date. It comes out with an official price and content coming out. For example, 
the stuff that, let's say, the demographic here will probably like. High School Musical, the musical, the series, available at launch. Okay, just kidding. The Mandalorian, about the bounty hunter world, available at launch. A live action series. Uh, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. A buddy series. Two Marvel icons from the cinematic universe launching year one. Loki. A Loki series launching year one. An untitled Cassian Andor series. Rogue One standout launching in year two. WandaVision launching in year two. There's a whole lot of other stuff launching in year one. Animated series and shorts featuring Pixar characters. Uh, There's one called Lamp's Life. What about Monsters at Work? Featuring the voices of John Goodman and Billy Crystal in the animated series. Yikes. That's crazy. So they're going to have a whole bunch of other content. $6.99 per month. I'm already looking at that and like, yeah. Yes, sir. And then I'm like, you know what? Apple better bring it with their content. Because all that content that I see there, $6.99, that already, they have already moved above Apple TV Plus for me right without even being out of without even being out because apple has been so ambiguous i know for a fact people directors that are making content for apple to who will not be named have told me that they're working on their shows they don't even know when the the actual date for them to release like apple hasn't told them we are going to release your show slash movie slash content on this date just make it Disney is already laying out the blueprint of everything we're going to see. And it's not just the things I mentioned to you. It's probably around, it looks like around 30 pieces of content that will be coming either in year one or year two, but at least half of them will be releasing in year one. Disney Plus already has the leg up on Apple TV Plus. Now, if you want to see what the Apple TV, new Apple TV app might look like, Apple has seeded the second beta of iOS 12.3, both the public beta and the developer's beta. Why is that good? Why is that good news? Well, you can actually check out what the new TV app looks like on iOS devices um, and also the TV OS. So, for example, it's completely laid out. It looks a lot cleaner, um, less text, more icons. You have the navigation bar similar to what they showed at WWDC where there's movies, TV shows, sports, and I think there's like a family option. You can check out the app right now. It, it's cool. I mean, it's a, it's not like I'm going to use it more. I think it's a lot cleaner. After what Disney just dropped on us, like the bomb, I already know, like they, they're already taking my priority and I'm, I'm already saying, hey, you know what? One month subscription to Apple TV Plus, see how it goes. But I look at the Disney Plus service, I'm like, damn, that is awesome. You know what else is awesome? The freaking Star Wars teaser trailer for Episode 9, Rise of the Skywalker. Damn! That's killer. All right, we're going to keep on rolling along here. Uh, A good, at least, story for the future of Apple. This is according to a survey by Piper Jaffrey. 83% of surveyed U.S. teens own an iPhone. 83%. That's a whole lot of kids that are going to be sticking with the ecosystem And whether they want to get out or not, sometimes the ecosystem is that strong once their friends have it and their other friends have it and they want to airdrop to everybody. They want to use iMessage and send all those icons and fun animations and hearts and likes. Like, There's nothing lamer, unfortunately, and this is not me being elitist, but you got a group chat. I got some group chats in 
the one person that doesn't have an iPhone just you see it say like blank person loves this and then it's a quote of it's like it's like come on man come on now a smart the survey also found that 27% of US teens own a smartwatch 22% of those respondents plan to purchase an Apple Watch within the next month this whole ecosystem this whole halo ecosystem it's working so one in five teens plan to purchase an Apple Watch within the next six months of that 83% of teens that even that owns a phone in the US. I mean, that's, that, that's right there. That's your gravy. That's the future right there. And the future may or may not have to wait for 5G to come to their phone. I mean, we'll see. If, if you listened last week, we talked about how Apple wasn't very happy with um, Intel because there's been delays for their 5G modem chip that Apple is going to be extremely dependent on them to get to them so that they can bring 5g to their 2020 iphone at least up to this point reports from fast company had said that hey uh they're getting a little nervous they aren't so happy so what would happen we talked about how hey apple can't just go to qualcomm they're beefing in court it's not they're not gonna all of a sudden kiss and make up well chinese company huawei they developed their own processors and they also developed their own modem chips according to a report from engadget they might might be interested in selling their 5G chips to Apple. They're open to it. Huawei has their own 5G Belong 5000 chipset, uh, like many processor companies do. They said that Huawei is now open to the possibility of selling the 5G chips, but only to Apple. So they would either keep them for themselves for their own products. They wouldn't start selling them from a mass standpoint to be a supplier for multiple companies, but Apple would be the only company that they'd be open to selling their 5G chips to. And Intel's got to Intel's got to be like, "Hey, you got to get this stuff out there." I think the deadline was summer summer of this year to get them, you know, a current, you know, rough idea or at least phase 1 of their modem and then they need it by the be- the final chip, the Intel 5G modem chip. They need that final chip by the beginning of 2020 in order for it to appear in the September iPhone release of 2020. We will see. I mean, Huawei is a competitor with Apple, but also is Samsung. And Samsung is not only just multiple chips for Apple, but hello, the display. They work with them on the display. AI, Siri, you know, I, I'm very hard on Siri and I think I deservedly should be because it's just not the best and they had this huge lead. Apple in March hired Ian Goodfellow as a director of machine learning in their special projects group. That's according to Goodfellow's own LinkedIn profile that was dug up by CNBC. Now, why is this important? Well, before joining Apple, Goodfellow worked at Google as a senior staff research scientist. And before that, he was an open AI research scientist. So they're now poaching really two great minds from Google to come over to their side to be on board for their AI and smart assistant and machine learning. This is a big deal because I've I try to ease up on it because some of y'all just can't take it when I say they need to blow up Siri and start all over. I think I've been saying that now for maybe two plus, three plus years. Like truly start over, fundamentally strip it down from the ground up and make an all new AI assistant. So Gian Andrea will most likely work with Goodfellow together in tandem to hopefully revamp Apple's AI and and really smart assistant, voice smart assistant. Man, that, that's what everything is really based on right now. 
Other future news with Apple, the latest Apple patent is referencing Face ID on Macs and a touch bar on a Magic Keyboard. (laughs) You know how I feel about that touch bar? I do not want to see a touch bar anywhere. This is how I feel. Well, according to a patent application, the touch bar could be coming to Magic Keyboards. Buckle up. Now, patents doesn't mean it's actually going to happen, but in this case, this might be something that really could happen. It describes how Macs in sleep mode could use their camera to look for faces. This would, first of all, be that face ID feature. So, right, a Mac in sleep could use the camera to look for faces. Wow, that means an always-on camera. Not, well, guess what? Our our phones and tablets are basically always-on. It would be like a, a power nap feature where you walk up to your Mac and it would unlock it. I would actually approve of that. As long as face ID is fast and reliable on your Mac, depending on the angle that it's at. So, Remain in sleep mode, see your face, unlock, cool. The patent application spotted by Patently Apple the, for Face ID is using a retina scan rather than a 3D map of the face. So a retina scan is typically used in some high-end security systems. But this may be showing their interest from Apple to switch to a new technology for Face ID. Or maybe they're just covering all their bases, but just in case, like if they use any type of face ID, they could be using the same one from the phones or they could go to a retina scan rather than the map, the 3D map of your face. Very cool. I mean, we Microsoft has said hello on their Surface products forever. Works like a charm is super fast and snappy. I, I what I feel like it's been at least three or four years that they've had that on their on their Surface products. We need to catch up, y'all. And here we go, kind of to wrap things up before we get to our phone calls. Tim Cook is profiled in a new biography by Leander Caney. Also, uh, he released a biography on Johnny Ive that was um, basically calling him like the genius behind Apple's greatest products. Well, Tim Cook's the book title here, I talked about in uh, this week's video. The book title will be Tim Cook, the genius who took Apple to the next level. Tim Cook, the genius who took Apple to the next level? Okay, genius. Come on, genius? That's a little, that's a little, that's a little aggressive. That's a little favorable. I think of, I don't know if you've seen the Soldier Boy meme, but genius? Genius? No. The operations guy who squeezes every dollar out for profit and has made Apple a trillion dollar company while continuing to slack on innovation, fall behind, and actually be the sloppiest Apple we've seen to date. That's what it is to me. And guess what? Am I still in the ecosystem? Am I still buying products? Do I still love the products? Yeah, I used to I used to love, love the products. Now it's kind of a, a love, hate, love products. I think there's plenty of people who are in the same exact boat as me. Anyways, this book will center around six values that provide the foundation for Cook's leadership at Apple, accessibility, education, environment, inclusion, and diversity, and privacy, and security, and supplier responsibility. So that's fine. We know it's a new Apple. It's easily a new Apple, but the genius who took Apple to the next level? This is... That's just like a straight operations business. Like, 
going off of all the innovation that had been put before you because if we really want to talk about, uh, to me, when you use the word genius, genius is like doing things, creating things, building things that no one thought was possible and changed lives. Now, has some of the products you've come with changed lives? Yeah, to a certain degree, but let's be real here. The Apple Watch wasn't like an Apple first product. That was because the Pebble Watch came out on Kickstarter, raised something like 10, 11 plus million dollars, and every major company's like, I got to do a smartwatch. And I've talked about it here before. Yeah, it took Apple four years before they got the smartwatch to the point where I said, where I could say to everybody, if you're going to get a smartwatch, you've got to get the Apple Watch. The Series 4 is amazing. It's amazing. I don't know how you all feel about this. Maybe you're like rolling your eyes at me right now, or maybe you're like, yeah, this, this book is whack. The title is whack, at least. So there you have it. Um, it is coming out April 16th, but you can pre-order now through Amazon and Apple's bookstore. Of course you can. All right. So, hey, uh, let's check out and just like kind of jump into our calls. This show, again, continues to be all about you. So love to hear from you. Voicemails. Always call in the hotline at 833-888-ABXL. That's 833-888-2295 or voice memo me. It's You'll see. You'll be able to tell the difference. It's going to sound like butter at applebitsshow at gmail.com. That's applebitsshow with a Z. All right, let's start off with my man, David. Hey, Brian, this is David over in San Antonio giving you another call back. Hey, you know, I was just interested, you know, I was thinking about some cool stuff in my head, you know, thinking about what Apple could do to possibly, you know, progress since they're, they're going more towards the services, you know, field. And I was thinking, you know, what if they did, you know, to compete against Netflix and Hulu or even Amazon Prime, instead of just creating their own content, what if they, you know, did like a discount program on content they already owned? I mean, they already have these great contracts with these companies. That's how they're able to sell uh, the movies and stuff like that through the Apple Store. What if they just did like a... Uh, you know, like a, a movie of the week or something like that, where they deeply discounted it or gave it to everybody for free for that week. And every week they would change out the movies, kind of like how Netflix does it already. Um, I mean, they already have the assets in, in hand. You know, they already have the movies with, you know, at least some of the, the contract and work to already sell them. And then they have all the discounts they do, like the bundles and stuff like that for, for discounted prices. Um, I just think that that'd be a pretty neat idea. You know, that way they could, you know, for a subscription based, you know, you're already paying for a subscription. Uh, you know, to give a, give a little bit extra to the customers that have been with Apple for that long time. Uh, tell me what you think about that later. All right, David. Well, I think that Apple can do a few things. The thing is that they already discount movies all the time on their um, movie app, iTunes Movies. When you go there every day, there's like a 99-cent movie. There, there'll be times where they'll be like, action flicks for $4.99 or great movies from the 90s or, you know, movies under $9.99 that just came out, which drives me crazy because sometimes I buy the, a version of a movie for full price and then like, oh, you tell me a month later I could get it for half that price? Come on, man. That's a bad apple. <laughs> it is. It's not cool, man. Anyways, I think, look, no matter what, you've got to create original content to drive people to do to support you more and to put money down. And they're not looking at this as just like, oh, let's already just make the agreements with the, the people we have because they're not making as much money on that. They make more money because they know they have how many hundreds of millions of users or one billion devices, right? 
what they if they just say hey uh let's let's say like six uh 60 million oh no one million people are gonna pay our say ten dollar ten dollar fee for a monthly subscription but guess what we know it out of a billion it's probably gonna be more like a hundred million well you do that multiplier they're gonna be just fine making content and drawing people in and they want revenues that continue to last forever you know this right subscription so i don't think that giving a movie away for free is is drives revenue for them that's just cutting a deal and rewarding us they need to make content and we'll just see if the content's good enough but already like i said earlier it's all about disney plus for me apple tv plus right now you're on the one month subscription in my mind right now all right let's check out another call this one comes to us oh i love this from miss jennifer what's up ladies Hey Brian, my name is Jennifer and I live in Sydney, Australia. I just wanted to get your opinion on whether or not Apple have priced their phone so high because they believe their customers are only renewing their contracts every three years instead of every two years. I'm seeing more and more iPhone plans that have three-year contracts. Is that why they are only really refreshing the way the iPhone looks every three years instead of every two years like they did in the past? I'd really like to know your thoughts. I love the show. Keep it up. Thanks. All right, Jennifer, thank you so much, and thanks for representing all the ladies out there. Uh, we love hearing from you, and this is a great call. You know what I thought was interesting is that you offer some interesting perspective internationally because at least from what I can tell here in the U.S., right, most of the phones now are you either buy it up front or you lease it, but I haven't seen anything outright that is literally a three-year financing plan for the phones in general. That's not how they're advertised here. And I don't know actually if that is something that is different in Australia or if you're just saying people in general just upgrade their phones in three years. The other thing though that is more interesting that applies to all of us here, whether or not we're talking about a three-year financing plan or not, is that in general, Apple has been raising the prices because iPhone sales plateaued long ago. Um, There's a chart broken down by Bloomberg that basically showed how iPhone sales globally just have hit a plateau for at least i feel like the past three it was like three to four years and because of that how you know how are they able to keep their earnings up yes they're bringing new technologies to the table but they're they were increasing the price of their phone while the actual sales of phones weren't going anywhere so bottom line people just aren't upgrading their phones whether it's every year it's definitely becoming i feel like even longer than two years and to your point maybe it's starting to get to three years for the general user which is the majority you know the general consumer which is the majority of people that are using iphones i mean my 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 mom was on a <laughs> i think she was on like an iphone 4 iphone 4 no she was on an iphone 5 and then she recently upgraded to an 8 there's a whole lot of phones in between there. that's a long time yeah, she was like on a 4S or a 5. I can't I can't like 100% remember, but you get my drift. All right, next up, a call from Hafiz about the HomePod. Hey, Brian, uh, this is Hafiz from Malaysia. We just like to ask about HomePod. Can we, do, can we use HomePod as a, like a sound bar for the Apple TV setup? Means all the sounds come out just from the HomePod. It should sound better, right? You know what? Uh, it'll quite honestly, it'll probably sound a lot better if you have a a smaller TV, depending on your room. But yes, the answer is first of all, you absolutely can. You can even group two HomePods together as a duo, 
And then, um, I mean, I've seen it happen and it, it does sound great. Use it as like a true left and a true right speaker and ca- connect that to your Apple TV. Um, yes, it will cost a pretty penny. Well, now it'll cost a little less because the HomePod is now $299 instead of $349, which still doesn't make me want to buy it. But it's an indication of just how how much it's just not selling that Apple would drop the price 50 bucks like that. I still think they need to get that thing to 199 for me to literally find 229 for me to literally say, hey, okay, it's kind of worth getting. I, I still, there's so many better products that are so much cheaper. And the only thing it has going for it still today is it sounds really good. Just being real, not hating on it. It just sounds really good. All right, Daniel calling in. Hello, Brian. It's Daniel. Um, the first thing I want to talk about um, that people have been saying uh, how Apple has changed and how it used to be perfect. But I think they forgot that when Jobs was alive, Apple made their mistakes as well. And the company was hated for them. Um, for example, Jobs didn't want uh, third-party apps on App Store, Pink Social Network and early iCloud failed and people were criticizing the first iPhone for not having physical keyboard and um, the similar thing was with um, Siri when it came out people were making fun of Apple because they thought no one would talk to their phones but suddenly everyone is using um, Alexa and um, Google Assistant Um, and don't get me wrong I'm not saying that Apple hasn't changed and everything is good Um, I don't trust Apple myself anymore (laughs) it's all right Daniel so I want to give you some breathing time. Your call was like three plus minutes, so I had to cut it down. But I see what you're saying, and yes, okay, fine. People might have short-term memory to a certain degree, but I, other than let's say, okay, you could say AntennaGate was a huge flaw, was probably the biggest bruise during the SJ era, but when you kind of listed some of the things that you talked about, like Siri not being super adopted or whatnot, like people actually... I mean, it was way ahead of its time, but it they didn't evolve it enough, so it never caught on. In fact, to me, Siri was a high point for them, but they they just ex- completely dropped the ball, and now look where they are now. Like, but some of those other things are smaller. Look in comparison, some of those things are smaller than to what is happening now, right? When you look at the market and you look at the competition, you also have to remember back then, yeah, companies make mistakes, but they were still innovating on their major products. Like, you didn't really say oh the mac failed the imac failed the the macbook pro was trash the ibook was trash no they weren't their their actual hardware was redonkulous and then the iphone came out and the ipad came out well now we're talking about how we have these faulty keyboards that apple won't acknowledge the the fact that they hid bengate which led to touch disease they literally hid that from people they announced products that don't even come out like those are bigger, more fatal flaws to me. And what if they happened in her SJ's era, I would have been just as hard on them. I would have been like, dude, they couldn't get their crap together. Well, Apple is still a great-ish company, not as great as they were before, but most people that are in the Apple world that have seen the life of them, how they went through ups and downs and highs and lows, SJ's and Tim Cook, they they can recognize that they still love their products, but they're just they've lost a lot of that shine and you know, quite honestly, other competitors are doing more interesting things. It's the ecosystem that has kept most people in. 
and credit them for building that ecosystem. Credit them for that. Because, and that ecosystem wasn't created by Tim Cook either. That wasn't on his watch. He's the one that's benefited from the innovation and the blueprint and the ecosystem. He's just kind of tweaked it to basically be purely off of making profits and the smallest margins and very incremental improvement instead of being able to just knock it out of the park. There's no one there that has the vision that says, this is my idea of this product. Let's do it my way. And guess what? That person is so insightful and is just able to understand human nature and what people want or what's coming next before they want it. It sounds so cliche. SJ was that dude and there's no one that's going to replace them. But what they're doing now, I mean, sometimes you just like turn the other way like, dude, this is embarrassing. It'll be really interesting to see iPhone 11, let's call it iPhone 11 versus Galaxy S10. When that iPhone 11 drops, I'm going to be interested to see what the reception is like. There will be the fans, there will be people on the upgrade cycle that will love it, but I think if you just kind of remove your loyalty or your fandom and you just look at what it is, you're going to be like, the Galaxy S10 is a better phone, but guess what? I'm in the Apple ecosystem, and I think that's it. That's what it's always come down to, the power of the ecosystem. All right, uh, we're going to get a little more international flavor here. Oh, man, my man from South Korea, TK. Hey, Brian Tong. This is TK from South Korea. I just wanted to talk about AirPods and iPhones. Um, I bought Jet Black AirPods from Colorware six months ago, and I was a little worried when AirPods 2 was about to come out because if those had new color options with better features, I would have regretted paying extra for just a paint job. But now that AirPods 2 is here, I'm really happy with what I have right now. So AirPods 2 for me is really a bad and good Apple at the same time. And also I have an iPhone 6S. Didn't upgrade to 7 or 8 because they're pretty much the same. Didn't upgrade to 10 or 10S because I just don't think they're worth the cost. So this year's iPhone should have Touch ID back again, slicker body, whole new design without the notch, to get me interested in upgrading from my 6S. If this year's model disappoints me again, I might consider buying Galaxy S10 because it looks sleek as heck. Um, so that's about it. I really love your show since the Apple Bike days. Look forward to Apple Bits XL podcast every week because this show really deserves a five-star review. Keep up the good work and thank you. Bye. All right, TK, I would have to agree with you. Five-star review. You know what? It was funny um, what you're saying about the AirPods because I think a lot of people were like, oh, man, you know, how much better? Everyone was hoping they would be so much better, but then they they went with 1.5. Like, I even kind of called it before they released it. I think these are going to be like the AirPods 1.5. So if I were you, I'd be more than happy. Like, hey, I got my black AirPods from Colorware. I'm going to rock them AirPods. No one's going to really be able... That's the other thing. Typically, when Apple has done upgrades and they're meaningful, there's something cosmetically different that makes you say, oh, yeah, those are different. You you literally will never be able to tell if someone has AirPods or AirPods 2. And I'm sorry, it sounds corny and it sounds lame, but that 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 used to matter in the whole Apple ethos of having that brand cachet. Tim Cook, it don't matter. It doesn't matter to him. So... There you go. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for being a part of this show. Thank you so much for supporting this show through patreon.com slash Brian Tong. Also got to give a shout out 
to my Platinum Apples, Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frater, Jarrett Lewis, and Calvin Fatikar at the $100 level. And thank you to everyone who continues to support this show. Uh, honestly, I still need your continued support. So it starts at $2 a month, goes up to, let's say, if you could afford a cup of coffee, $5 a month with all the content I bring you. It supports not only the podcast, all the videos, really all the work that I'm doing. And uh, we have a lot of different rewards and different levels up to the Platinum $100 Apple level. So thank you again, everyone. Take care. Be safe. We'll be here next week with all the latest inside the world of Apple. That's going to do it for the Apple Bits XL. Love y'all. Peace. Peace.